0: Can I just uh, tell you how beautiful it was um, to sit over there and listen to you sing that last song? And I know that this is a week where um, the tests, the papers, the presentations come, and um, I hope that some of you, some way, somehow, in the midst of sitting in a classroom and taking that test... Or writing that paper, that that song would be playing in your mind the whole time to put everything in perspective, that no matter how well you do or no matter how much you know, he loves you. Tonight, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and I'm just going to start with that, and um, right before this... Um, Jesus has sent his apostles, his disciples, out to do ministry the way that they saw him do ministry, preaching the good news that God indeed is present and that he has given his followers authority to heal. And so the apostles have come back having done amazing things. And we're going to pick up our scripture in Mark Chapter 6, right after that particular story. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Once upon a time, I played Jesus. My church had a vacation Bible school, and I grew out a beard. I put on a wig, and we had this... Vacation Bible School called Marketplace, 29 A.D., and it it attempted to kind of recreate this Galilean village where Jesus did stories like this. And I had to learn lines, and I had to interact with all these kids. Some of them actually thought I might be Jesus, and that was really awkward. But then it came to doing this story. And we figured out this way to do this story where I had a box in front of me and there was like a middle school kid that fit himself in there and as the kids came forward, he would keep on feeding up these basketfuls of uh, fish sticks and pieces of bread. And the kids started to kind of figure out when they kept on seeing these baskets pop up through the thing and some of them came around the back and they were like, oh, there's somebody in there, there's somebody in there. And of course, I tried to play it off. No, I'm really making fish sticks out of nothing. But this story, that's kind of the thing that we get stuck on, isn't it? How did Jesus really do this? I mean, what did it really look like? He had five loaves, and then did he pull them out from behind his back? Or like when he broke them, did they divide into like 10? And You know, what exactly happened? You know, you might even hear, I heard this preached one time, that the miracle never really happened. What the real miracle was is that if you read one of the other gospel accounts, it says that a little boy, Andrew Andrew the disciple says, hey, there's a little boy here who has five loaves and two fish. And so some people say, oh, and the real miracle is that the the boy inspired 5,000 people, just the men, 5,000 probably more like seven to 10,000 people, if you include the women and children and the families that were there, that he inspired everybody to share what they had. You see, we get uncomfortable with this idea that Jesus could have done something so amazing. But why is this story? This story is one of the few stories that's found in all four Gospels. It made its way into these four different accounts because a powerful statement was being made. One of the, Before I get into the, walking through the story, I, w- I just want to say how um, incredible it is to work with the team of students that helped put on this service, from the people that lead worship to the people that do the call to worship and, and the time of prayer, because we did not plan out this message. And yet, what Manny led us through, the songs that were sung, all speak to that part of the scripture where Jesus says, Come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. I know that you are at that place. I've heard already just from a handful of you about the number of tests, the number of papers, the weight of the school year starting to come down on you. And at the beginning of the semester when we began thinking about passages, that was not in my mind, but Jesus knows exactly what you need. And so I believe it's no accident that we're talking about this passage tonight and that Manny led us in a time of rest tonight. The disciples are tired did you pick up on this one detail where it says so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat? How many of you have done that? How many of you have like worked through the day and the night, and then you get to it and said, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even eat lunch today? Maybe some of you do that for financial reasons, but how many of you have pushed through and just forgotten to eat? You didn't even have a chance to eat. You you try to squeeze a meal in. Well, you can identify with what happens here. Jesus knows exactly what we need. He looks at his disciples and he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. How many of you would love it if spring break started tomorrow? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> How many of you would love it if professors all postponed all exams and just said, tomorrow, take a week, go to a quiet place, and get some rest? Okay? So I want you to have that image in your mind that you and some friends get to go to Gulf Shores or, or the, you know the panhandle of Florida and go to the beach and get some rest. Now, the story continues that Jesus and his disciples go there, but the crowds follow. So I want you to picture for a moment, you get to your beach house that you've rented and your professors have all set up shop (laughs) in the living room. And they said, guess what? This is where where we take the test. All of a sudden, how do you feel? Angry, thank you. Imagine now what the disciples felt. This time with Jesus. Jesus had endowed them and empowered them with leadership and these apostles came back excited that they had done the things they saw their master doing. And he says, now come away with me and rest. And they go, yes, we haven't even had a chance to eat. So many people have been coming and going. It'll be so great to just hang out with our Lord. And the people beat them. To where they're going and so when they arrive on the shore there's already thousands of people there it says something about the way that the disciples what the disciples say in this story versus what jesus does jesus i'm sure too was tired he was human like us but he looked out on the crowd and he had compassion I know that when I'm tired and one of my children wants me, compassion is so fleeting. I have to feel like I've drummed it up. I feel like I have to pray for it because it does not come naturally. But Jesus looked out at the crowds and he had compassion on them like he said, like sheep, the people were sheep without a shepherd. And so, but, you know, when the disciples. Come to him at the end of a long day of teaching. In some of the other gospel accounts, it also says that he healed the sick. The disciples, you can imagine, have been going the whole time. When's the crowd going to go away so we can get back to the beach? Paraphrase. But, and so you can understand when they said, would you send the people away now so they can go get something to eat and we can be with you? Because that was why we came. I don't know about you, what Jesus says next has always troubled me a little bit. sounds kind of harsh. You give them something to eat. But if we remember what had happened right before this, he had just sent them out to do the very things that they saw him doing. So I read this, and Jesus, sometimes we don't know the way exactly that he said it. And I wonder if Jesus was saying to his disciples, You have done the things that you've seen me do. So you give them something to eat. But in their tired state, I wonder if they could even remember what they had just done. They hadn't eaten. There were so many people coming and going. They were looking forward to the time. And so when Jesus says, you give them something to eat, they didn't even think about the time when Jesus sent them out and gave them power to do what he himself was doing. And they looked at what they had. There's no way. Two-thirds of a year's wages wouldn't even buy enough for all these people. They saw what they had, and it wasn't enough. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. And then he has everybody sit down, and he begins this miracle of breaking the bread and the fish and feeding them. One commentary I read is that the imagery of this is like a Jewish father sitting down at a meal with his children. He sits them down, he takes the bread, he breaks it, just like at the Passover meal, the the meal that the Jews celebrated to celebrate being set free from slavery. Jesus does the same thing. He takes the bread, he breaks it, he gives thanks for it and distributes it like a father to his children except it was about 10,000 children. I think one of the things that I love about the story, and I'm going to take a break here and look at um, what Kirsten and Mary Alice have done with this. Um, This is the first week I didn't do it, and um, wonderful job, um, (laughs) Kirsten and Mary Alice. Are these rocks? (laughs) No, there are five loaves and two fish, and I've seen you've used good use of Daniel and the lion den here. But anyway, Jesus, I'm not sure what happened to Jesus' hair, by the way. Did it get set on fire? Um, I like the University of Washington Husky colors, though. Anyway, go Huskies. We're talking about Jesus, though, right? Okay. <laughs> Jesus looked out at the crowd of people, and he knew exactly what they needed, and he knew also what the disciples needed. If you go home tonight and you read on in the gospel accounts, you'll discover that what happens next is the disciples get exactly what they need. They do steal away to a quiet place, and they get some rest. And sometimes that I know for you as students, you can identify with this picture, right? You think, okay, once I finish that test tomorrow, I'm just going to chill out and rest. Until you open the notebook and go, oh my goodness, I have a test in another class tomorrow. I totally forgot. So you can identify with this picture where sometimes you think that rest is coming, but the crowd, whatever that is, comes into your life. But Jesus knows exactly what it is you need. Jesus doesn't, by the way, provide some sort of purely spiritual answer to this problem. He gives them physical bread and physical fish and feeds the people. He doesn't say, well, maybe we should take this opportunity to fast from eating and just trust. He knows exactly what it is you need. This story is much more, though, than taking five loaves and two fish and feeding a bunch of people. When you look at the details of all these stories, and I read each of the different gospel accounts, it's amazing how each of the gospel writers wrote about these details in such a way so that any one of the hearers or readers of it would remember other stories from it. Let me give you an example. Jesus says, let us go to a quiet and desolate place is what it says in some translations. And the word there literally means like a desert place. Does anyone remember another story where a leader led a group of people out to the desert and God had to feed them? So when people heard this story and they saw this, for all the Jewish people that knew that, and they saw somebody providing bread out of nothing, their mind would return to Moses who led the people out of slavery. Their mind would be turned back to prophets like Elijah and Elisha who fed people out of nothing. It's really interesting that in the gospel of Luke, immediately after this story comes the passage where Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples begin to answer him and say, well, some say that you're, like prophet, you're, you're a prophet like Moses, or you're like Elijah, or one of the other prophets. And then he turns to them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the anointed one, the Christ, the son of the living God. Like many of the stories that we've looked at this semester, this story is about who Jesus is. Jesus is forming A kingdom. He's not Moses. He's not Elijah. He's not even his cousin John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Because in the Gospel of John, we discover that immediately after this story in that Gospel comes a discussion with the Jewish leaders about Moses feeding the people in the wilderness with bread, and Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You see, all of these images come together in this story. One of the more interesting details as I looked at this was in Mark's gospel. Right before this is a story about a king King Herod. And King Herod is having this extravagant meal with all of his dinner guests. And his wife's daughter begins to dance in front of all of the guests. And King Herod is so enamored with his wife's daughter dancing that he says, Ask for anything up to half my kingdom and I will give it to you. I would imagine that the king had a little bit of wine to drink to make a promise like that. So the daughter goes to her mom and says, what should I ask for? The mom says, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So the daughter returns to the king and says, Give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king is saddened. But he fears embarrassment. So he orders the executioners to go and kill John the Baptist, whom he had put in prison. And he brings the head of John the ba- they bring the head of John the Baptist into the dinner. It's an amazing picture. Because here's this extravagant feast of a king that ends in the death of a prophet. Meanwhile, across the lake, Jesus is assembling 10,000 people and feeding them with just some bread and some fish. The contrast between the powerful kingdom of the kings of this earth and a king who is building a different kind of kingdom is really telling. Just this afternoon before coming back here to talk with the worship team, I went and grabbed a cup of coffee at one of my favorite places called Chats. And I've gotten to know the owners there because it seems like half of this ministry works there at some point. And Eileen Mason, one of the, the owners, runs a tour company to Israel. And most of the day, not most of the day, but early part of the day, I was trying to figure out, could you see the mountain that Jesus was on with those 10,000 people from Tiberias where, where King, the King Herod would have been. And Google couldn't tell me, and so I stumped Google today, congratulations to me, And but I asked Eileen, I said, Eileen, you've been to Israel a bunch of times, tell me something. I know it's 12 miles, I did my research, 12 miles from Tiberius, where the king's palace was to Capernaum where... Jesus was on that day. Could you see that? She goes, oh yeah, absolutely. So picture this for a moment. Let's say that this dinner where the head of John the Baptist came and you were there. And you look across the lake and you see a crowd of 10,000 people. Wouldn't you wonder... Wouldn't you wonder what was happening over there compared to what you just saw that night? Wouldn't you wonder what those people were finding over there? You see, the same thing is still happening today. Jesus is building a kingdom. In the news of our world every day, it seems that we hear these stories of leaders and presidents and nations, and our own nation is grieving over the shooting in a U.S. Navy shipyard, or a U.S. Navy uh, naval base. Every day we wrestle with this idea that who's in control? Who has the power? And I want to believe so badly that if we'd look across the lake, we would see Jesus. Assembling his family. He's assembling his family here. Feeding them with a simple piece of bread and fish. And saying one day, the feast I give you now will be a lavish feast for all peoples. And on that day there will be no more suffering or pain. For all the old things have gone away. I'm praying for you this week. I mean that. My prayer is that you would grasp the truth that Jesus knows exactly what you need this week. And let me assure you, you will make it. Next week will come. And this semester will end. And right now, Jesus knows exactly what you need. And amidst all the chaos of your own life and all the chaos of the world and kings and kingdoms, Jesus is building a kingdom. It may be with simple bread and simple fish, but he's feeding his people and assembling a family of people that changed the world and is changing the world now. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, would you feed your people as you did on that hillside thousands of years ago. You cared for your people like a shepherd cares for his sheep and you have not changed. And in the halls of power, in the halls of kings, Death reigns, but you are the bread of life. And even death cannot contain you, for you have conquered it once and for all. My prayer for my friends here in this room is that if they are hungry for rest, that you would grant it to them may they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us all. In the midst of the stress and the weight and the worry, your love never fails. Your love is everlasting. For we are your children and you are our father. And we pray this because of your son. Amen.